0: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley and as always we have with us Andrew Peak.
1: Let's let's get started. Yeah. How was
0: your week Andrew? How was it's,
1: it's been a while since it's we've It's been talked. a fun week. It's been <laughs> well, it's been about 15 minutes in real life, but a week since the <laughs> podcast last podcast recording. Yeah, it's been good. It's been it's been a fun week. A lot of things have been happening. We're definitely was, selling uh, some homes. I was
0: yo yeah. People are selling houses. You know that about That's that. Right. We'll get into that in the news too. And um, I saw you got your scores back from the builder show. Your first ever talk there.
1: I was I was terrified when I got that email <laughs> because because <laughs> I'm like this this could be the end of my IBS speaking career or <laughs> or maybe next year they might. Invite me back and not invite. Me. They might favor my, you know, they'll take that history into account when I apply for another speaking. But no, I was excited to open it up and yeah, 4.91 was out of five. Oh, out let's, of the, 5. Let's, let's be, I like the <laughs> specifics
0: there. 4.91, 91. not 4.9. 4. Yeah, that is
1: super that's important. That's a big difference. It's good. Because that um, was like
0: uh point
1: yeah.
0: uh, nine higher than my score. Ooh, uh, not that I'm man. keeping track, Andrew, but, but... Well, you know, I was, had...
1: I had a lot less time. I had, you know, I was like 20 minutes. I, I shared the stage with Dave Betcher with Lasso CRM. We had a great talk. Kevin had, was it 45 minutes? I believe it was, in the farthest room ever at the Orlando Convention Center. Um, uh,
0: they call yeah, it the spotlight it because you need to get out your flashlight and hunt for that room. It's on the other side. Uh, and it's a great spotlight room. Spotlight
1: like, it is <laughs> an a awesome good. looking room. The lights are amazing. <laughs> the spit, like, it's. I think they should have more stuff in that room. That but room you had reason to be end.
0: scared when you opened up that email because I remember, uh, gosh, it was my first year with uh, with Mike Lyon at, at Do You Convert, and mm-hmm. I want to say my first score was like a three point eight or something. I so there was definitely stuffing of the ballot. There's I don't know people didn't. <laughs> I said something, something that people didn't like, but I thought for sure that that would be the end. Um, Thankfully there are second chances, but you don't you're not gonna need one, man. Four point nine, that is a that is a legit score. So congrats. Which is
1: yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's it's crazy because back to like college or high school, which is way back, but like speaking on stage and like all that stuff is for the majority of my life, up until the past like year or so, like not me whatsoever. Like you would never say, Oh Andrew, he might be doing that. No, not me. So it's it's cool. (laughs) Definitely change. You challenge yourself, you learn, you get better. And you go. Oh, I actually enjoy this. It's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: And now yeah, we have a podcast time. every week. Every week, you get to practice talking more and more,
1: <laughs> and more. All and right, more. let's it's go good. into
0: story time, Andrew. Enough let's, chitter uh... chatter.
1: Chitter chatter. Yeah. So this story is actually a collection of stories. This week, this week has been weird for me, um, client side. A whole different variety of clients, sending a whole different variety of of challenges and and good news, but I had like a series, I think it was like two and a half days in a row, where I was like, what is going on? And it was not like a you know super negative thing, but I'm I'm like, what what is happening here? Just communication was like the underlining thing. There was when do these promotions end across a lot of different communities. Um techie marketers, we all know those people who want to make things really, really complicated. And technical, that's actually me. Um, making things too yeah. hard to use. That is that's my tendency. Um, or just larger marketing teams. Another thing was like just larger marketing teams with brand new strategies. And so I'm like, well, what's happening? Or requests, which I'm sure on your end, you're at a builder, you might get, hey, we need we have this home that is for sale. Do something with it, please. And you're like, Well, well, well what am I gonna do with it? You need more information to actually to make any movement on that request, whether that came from you know, the sales manager or what have you, but it made me think about like if you are internal at your, I'm um, have a, I have agency speak today. I don't know why, but you're you're the marketing director and <laughs> marketing person at, at the builder at the builder you work for, and you have everything coming across your desk, and it's all incomplete where you can't actually do anything with it without having to get clarification on it. You know that could like that's like so much time is wasted for everybody, and then for the whole business side, if everyone kind of acts like that. That, that's just like insane. I'm like, this is like a cluster of, of issues that could happen and, and just make it things complicated. It sounds like
0: what you're insinuating, Andrew, is that like mm-hmm. a sales manager or a company owner would drop something off on your desk as a marketer without complete information or a thought. happens out. all the
1: time. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm what sure you're people are right. saying that is my that, life. That is every single day of my life. No, that's every if other didn't home builder. That.
0: If, if you're yeah. thinking that right now, it's your fault because every other home builder has got this figured out. Now, I mean, you know, circling back real quick, you know, when do promotions end? Sometimes that's when the sales team decides it's going to end, or yeah, you know, no at the end of a successful promotion. Sometimes people are like, hey, let's just keep that running. Why make it let's stop? It. Extend it. Two more weekends. Um, uh, the techie marketer thing, you know a lot of that's good natured, but it's, yeah, it can, it can be tricky. Um,
1: yeah. That's uh there wasn't really an end to that story other than, <laughs> you know, ideally, ideally there's like a fix for all that where it's, you know, my thought, my mind is like, well, if this is happening in marketing and it's coming from people outside of marketing, then they also are doing that to other departments that are not marketing and the amount of friction or just wasted time, for the business as a whole, you know, I think that could prevent them from meeting, meeting their goals or just having like, Hey, everyone works a lot more than they should for the whole week. You know, it's just, it adds up is the, is the bottom line.
0: Yeah. I mean, and if I was going to give a little bit of advice here, this is going to take me back to my PCBC talk of, uh, of last year, you know, not, I I use this four-step outline when I'm thinking about this, you know, the problem, create a strategy for uh, addressing the problem, what content do I need that will uh, talk to that strategy, and then how am I going to distribute that content? And I like, obviously, four is a small number. It's easy to remember, but also just that, that order, because so oftentimes, identification and strategy is skipped altogether, and people rush straight to, this is what we need to tell them without really thinking through why and without you know identification isn't just what is the problem but is it an internal problem or an external problem i reference frequently (laughs) i think i already have on this podcast you know the production team at my builder coming to me saying we need to change some of the questions on the survey that we ask people and Mm -hmm. you know after talking to them it's like well Why? Well, because we have an internal problem of the scores are not good. And so we'd like to change the questions (laughs) to try to make those scores better.
1: We want better scores.
0: Yeah, that's not, that's not, that's not a fix. That's not the fix that we want to go for. So identifying, and and even just this week, I was talking to a client and I said, Hey, a lot of your emails, these look great. This one, I don't really understand it. It looks completely different. um, What happened here and And then before they even answered, I said, did the owner just say this has to happen? And they're like, yes, (laughs) we knew this was kind of pointless. Only six people Uh, ended up opening, uh, click, clicking on the email. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, so we just, we pushed back, we pushed back. And then finally we just said, fine, give him his email. We made it as quickly as we could, which is why it looked uh, not as good. It didn't perform well because the audience was not, was, was not well-defined. And so You know, just identifying, why am I doing this in the first place? And that also can tell you uh, kind of, I mean, the one thing I really like about what they did is they said, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to go to a lot of prospects anyway. And I'm, and I have to do it. So on my perfection scale of, you know, a hundred is perfect. And zero is, this is the worst piece of email marketing ever. I'm good with a 30, (laughs) You know, let's just get it done At and 30. move on. Yep. Um mm-hmm. but anyway, back to the identification strategy. Identification is often overlooked in terms of why am I really doing this? And then the strategy part of, of are we just doing the first thing that comes to mind, which my art teachers taught me a long time ago, the first idea you have for a logo or any problem that you're trying to solve is not usually the best one. Um it's that, you know, the tenth or eleventh thing that you come up with that it has a little bit more context, a little bit deeper meaning to it and more thought. So you just can't skip those first two things. And I think back to the examples you gave, when you're in a larger team, uh, oftentimes there's there's one person who has a rogue strategy or just is pushing the whole team down this path towards content and distribution faster and skipping those first two pieces. The techie, one, techie people often are kind of thinking, well, isn't this, isn't this content and distribution that I can do really cool? Um, isn't this nifty this <laughs> is without, nifty. yeah, without understanding that, that whole context. So yeah, for it's, sure. uh, it happens, you know, that's it's, we like to say job security, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when you have days like that, um, for sure, for sure. That's awesome. Well, my story, um, comes from a little while ago where I sat down with a, a CEO of one of the top 10 home builders in the country. And um, he said, "Hey, I've got this Excel sheet here that shows that if we could do online sales, the way that, that do you convert um, says they should be done, uh, online sales and marketing, we would get we would sell 1,100 more houses next year alone. And so he said, Kevin, this is kind of important to me. <laughs> 1100 more houses would be that's a, that's a few houses. It's a few houses, a little bit of revenue. He said, "How do I make that happen?" And the answer was that at the time, Uh, they had, let's just say 45 home building divisions in this company. And they only had, uh, I want to say 15 to 17 inside uh, new home specialist, online salespeople. I said, you just need to get to 45 as fast as possible. And he didn't, he didn't like my answer because he went straight to, well, this is going to be a lot of extra overhead. That's a lot of salary that I'm bringing on. Um, When you hire employees at a public company, it can be um, very difficult to let them go later if the economy turns, like you're not very nimble. Um, And so he didn't like my answer. Um, But just in reflecting on it, I'm I'm glad I didn't change my answer just because he didn't like it. It wasn't a, well, if you tell you what, if you don't want to hire 30 more people, we could just run more ads on adwords or you know adjust Mm -hmm. the call to action on your website all those things mix into it but i i didn't change my answer and and sure enough uh two years later when i uh met the person uh who was in charge of their inside sales team uh they with great excitement told me that they already had hired they had gotten to 40 and they were trying to get to 50 uh, as fast as possible, because some divisions wow. needed more help than others, uh, more than Very one cool. person could could handle. And so just a good reminder, I think, for all of us that just because there's pressure, because again, we know marketers get pressure from sales, from management, um, from all different parts of the business. You have to have enough mental energy and confidence in your own strategy and um, and understanding of, of what's happening to not just change that answer change that answer in the face of pressure from, from around you, because otherwise you're going to put all that time, energy, and money down a rabbit hole that may never return it and ultimately put your job in jeopardy. So I always I just thinking that, yep. Yeah. Um,
1: you're changing you're gonna, the answer to make them happy and then it's on you mm-hmm. because you get the wrong answer. So it's, it's, you're just delaying that conversation or, or whatever. And you know, that's, you're yep.
0: just preventing it yeah. Uh, similar but different for those of you who are listening who work for a public company, you'll understand this tongue-in-cheek joke of you're going to get in trouble no matter what you do, you know, um, in the sense of there's so much pressure at a public organization to be delivering in and out uh, every quarter. So you're going to be held accountable on all ends of the spectrum. And so when you realize that, you just say, well, then I'm just going to do what I really think is right.
1: All right. Do what
0: is right. Closing the book on story time and moving on to the news machine. To the news. What's up
1: first? Ooh, this is this a fun week. one. Um, should I keep names out of this? In particular, last names <laughs> or give the full context <laughs> to the story?
0: No, um, give the context. Just okay, the we Context. Not,
1: we're not yeah. saying
0: anything about anything other than the facts around what happened.
1: So this past election with Trump and Clinton... Um, the the digital space and it's still going on, like Facebook <laughs> I'm, ads. I'm loving how, I, I'm, I'm so like, glad
0: you're introing this one so and not me.
1: <laughs> I, I know, right? Like I'm not, this is not good. Well, they were talking about like how Facebook ads influence the election. Um, this is not in regards to anything with Russia and all that stuff, but this is in regards to U.S. companies running the ads for Trump or for Clinton for their campaigns. And so this article by The Post Put it together, and they. I think they did it really good. Good job as far as what the big differences were, and so we're going to take this and apply it to you as a builder. So we have one side over here who used video campaigns to push their message across. So they wanted to say what they said in their videos, and they wanted their audience to accept it and and take it right. The other, yeah, so kind of like traditional. Television, radio, advertising. Like pretty much take Mm -hmm. a TV ad and put it on Facebook. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. Facebook is cheaper. Yeah. That sounds like the best idea ever. Not the other competitor who, in this article said they paid about a hundred times less than the other competitor. The other person running for office ran ads that created a lot of engagement on Facebook. Typically they were just images that had something that that person was for or against And then it got tons and tons of engagement. I'm sure they used engagement campaigns on their, um, for their ads, which would make sense because they need engagement. So I'm sure they did a whole bunch of other complexities as well, but they didn't, they had their message in there in the ads, but they weren't forcing it or they weren't saying, Hey, this is what it is. They're creating that conversation on Facebook, which is what Facebook, that's what they want. You know, Facebook wants people to comment, like, and share and engage with the content. As you can imagine, the person who did the videos did not win the election. The other one, did. If we were to take Facebook in there, this is so hard not to. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, to, so do now it. that we burst that bubble, let's just for the I sake know, of clarity, right? let's just say Trump, uh, Trump, and Trump. Clinton
0: campaigns. So, yeah, So to, the Clinton right. campaigns spent a lot more money. On video, and I think a way to say it is they spoke to their aud or they spoke at their audience. Correct. Uh, yeah, at. not not to the audience. Not they to just and were with kind of like saying, hey. This is what we believe is right, and and you should believe it too. Or this is why you should X Y Z.
1: Or a lot of, and then um, the Trump
0: campaigns did what differently?
1: They did, yeah. They created conversation. They talked about issues. So, like, back to Clinton real quick. There are a lot of the "I'm with her" message. So it was all it was Clinton focused versus what Trump did. He created conversations with the ads. Yes, it was focused on himself as far as actually in the ad itself, but it was always about different issues that he was for or against. And then he created got this it. this really this space that people can comment on Facebook. And so then he got he got the engagement. It was crazy. You know, so they look at the metrics, I'm sure they say if they spent the same money, say a million dollars each, which it was obviously a lot more than that. Trump's campaigns were much, much, much more efficient versus Hillary's campaigns were not efficient. So she her ads were viewed less, far less th- this article saying 100 times less than than Trump's campaigns for the same cost.
0: Well, and I want to quickly shift away from the political, but I do think mm-hmm. it's uh, interesting that if I was for or against an issue, whether or not I was for Trump, maybe I was for one of the other primary candidates originally. um, mm-hmm. And I may not have, have wanted to vote for Trump. I think what's really smart about that strategy is just saying, if you care about X, you're likely to share it regardless of whether my name is kind of maybe sort of attached to it or not Yep. Um, versus saying, oh, that is a Trump ad. I'm not going to share it because I'm I'm actually not for Trump. But if you're for one of the issues that Trump is also, you know, anyway, I, yep. I think that's um, it's- there is a there is a a method of that madness for sure. And uh, again, we always have links to all these articles. If you want to go back and read them at their source. Yeah, it's good. It's it's
1: enjoyable. So bottom line is make, when you're building your ads on Facebook is to make sure they are engaging and you're speaking with your audience. Pretty pictures. I think Mm. is the big one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good pictures, but also, you know, that's the
0: other thing is, uh, you know, do you put your builder logo in the image? Mm. Yeah. Do you name the community versus saying, I mean, we've seen this for over the last three years that if if you run an ad that says, uh, come visit Happy Acres on Saturday versus come see uh, Columbus, Ohio's number one selling community on Saturday, or you just talk about the unique aspects of that community, the curiosity factor that you get by not speaking at your audience, but to them. I think uh, is an, is another way to kind of apply that same idea.
1: Definitely, yep. Yeah. Second example did much better. Columbus is number one. All right, this is yours. Uh, next this article, is a good one. I think it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, this was uh, originally reported on by uh, Inman. I'm an Inman Connect member, and if you're not, um, and you're, uh, you should be. Uh, Inman is a general real estate um, focused uh, organization that that does puts on great conferences and, and um, news articles. But I first saw this on Inman. You can also read it for free on Keller Williams' website. But the reason that this spoke to me is they Keller Williams made an app, but not for the consumer. They made an app for their agents. And this reminds me back when I was at Heartland Homes uh, in 2009, 2010. We were creating an app uh, with the help of Jeff Turner and the folks at Zeke Interactive. And it was not for people shopping for new homes. It was for people who, after they had purchased with us as a builder, would help them uh, communicate with us, to stay organized, to get push notifications on updates. Um, It encouraged them to be social. Hey, go to your house, take pictures of it in framing. And uh, if you share that, uh, we'll look at the numbers of how many people have seen that and give you points associated. And you could win prizes. You could get uh, our goal with the app was to send two families each year to Disneyland or Disney World. Oh, cool. um, so the two that were most socially engaging. So it had to do with how big your network was and how social you were. Um, it was a great great concept that unfortunately wasn't able to see the light of day once the NVR acquisition occurred. Because lawyers get really nervous um, when it comes to <laughs> putting that much power in the consumer's hand. But Keller Williams wanted a similar strategy, and they said, you know what? We are going to make an app for our agents. This is not probably inexpensive. And the reason they did it, uh, it uses AI. They have, I believe you pronounce it Kel, K-E-L-L-E, or maybe it's Kelly. Um, And so just like you would talk to Siri or Alexa, you can say, Kelly, um, give me a comp on home 3259 Walnut Drive. Um, Kelly, who, which of my prospects should I call right now? Um, So you can, you can get answers to questions you can find and uh, connect with other Keller Williams agents, manage referrals and, and check progress against career, career goals. Just this idea of, we have this pool of agents um, in our company that is a very high tech forward thinking company, and they're not going to, a lot of these agents don't feel comfortable with this technology. And so let's make an app that lets them use our CRM more effectively um, or interact with our customers more effectively while letting kind of that, that AI be the front face of it so that they can interact with it using natural language.
1: That's very cool. It's like a, it's like a manager. It's like a personal manager for yourself. As Mm -hmm. far as I saw this one feature in there, it said that it would um, remind the agent of new leads that they need to contact. Which is, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Which the CRM already does that, I hope. like oh duh. Yeah, If like, you
0: logged into the CRM, you, you would know that in. too.
1: And so now <laughs> I think it sends, does it work over text message? I don't I, I believe it said it was text message. it will send you a text. it will send the agent a text. Hey, you need to contact Debbie Sue. She still has some bot and she is interested in homes from $5 million plus. You should probably talk to her. <laughs> it's
0: a lot mm-hmm. of commission for you yeah, that it. you're
1: leaving on the table. Um, yeah, I thought it was super cool. I've not seen the bigger aspect of this is using you know, AI and the kind of like chatbot type of technology internally for the professional, not for like the consumer, which you don't really, that doesn't get attention. I, that I, I feel like as far as everyone's like, Oh, chatbot to help someone buy a home. But what about AI chatbots to help people sell more homes or to have their job be more efficient? I think is, is really, really cool concept and probably will be adapted much quicker than the, than before.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be hesitation at first of, I don't want to talk to this thing either. I don't want to talk to Siri. I don't want to talk to Kelly, but once you do, and it helps you. And again, that silly example of logging, in, you could log into the CRM every day and know what you need to do. But knowing that, unfortunately, a lot of sales professionals will not do that. I said, how about if we just get proactive with this in a way that is, you know, everyone gets text messages now, They that's not going to be a shock of how do I interact with this? And it tells me something that's actually useful. Um, I just thought that was a g- good job on Keller Williams' part, for sure, for spending that money, and investing that time appropriately, instead of just chasing more prospects on the
1: front end. That's right. It's not always more leads, is it? You need to work them properly. Exactly. I like it exactly. What's the up next, next one? Um, super boring article, but really all it is is talking. <laughs> it really because it's it's been said before again and again and again and again and again since since forever since mobile has has been a thing when did the first iphone come out do you remember what year that was 2000 and um i don't five i don't know my head. way back when uh, but but in essence
0: i have it in my you know, closet first still
1: iphone are you <laughs> i have
0: uh, i have an original ipod, iPod i have an original oh iphone eye. i do not have the boxes Mike Lyon, if you're listening, I don't have the boxes. Nice. There we he go. 2000.
1: Yeah, things, 2007. I but but um, I, just um, I do real have quick. iPod. I, I still remember those commercials with the uh, the white headphones and like the the solid color um, uh-huh. classic. But um, so this article by AdWords yep. is just talking about the impact of mobile on your conversion rate. As far as if your site pulled up from a device that's not on Wi-Fi, which is so if their people are out and about and they're searching and they're on your website. And if it's slow, what type of impact should that have on the conversion rate of your site? And so it's, it's pretty cool to have a calculator on the link. You could, you could click that on, on the post on the website when we have the, the podcast up. But it's you know we all know that mobile speed is super important. And I think it's even more important just as if you look at like the long-term trends, if you segment out desktop versus mobile and AdWords, it's like a reverse chart. You have mobile going up and desktop going down. So just the efficiency of your site is even more important as people are are on mobile more and more. Even though speeds are going up every year, every six months to 4G, 4G, LTE, and whatever else is is next after, after that. But you know, if a site's taking two or three seconds to load and nothing is showing up on the screen and it's white, I think most people are just going to click that back button. And you won't even... Here's the nerdy part. If analytics doesn't load at all because it's so slow, you will not see that that was a bounce if that makes sense. Yeah. You won't even know. Yeah. You won't even know so that if it you, didn't happen. So I think what will happen if people <laughs> like, Oh, I kind of know my mobile's really slow. If they fix that, which there's a tool called pingdom.com P I N G D O M.com. That could, that'd be linked. Well, um, I think it's free. You might have to you. make a login or if it's, if it costs anything, it's, it's worth the cost. So, you know, get it, get it done. It will tell you like exactly what resources are loading on your website what the size of them are and how long it takes for them to load. And so you could get everything fixed And a big, a big one is just having images that are too large. Like they're not the actual scale or they're being scaled down. So they're like 3000 pixels, like say from a camera, but they're showing on the screen at 300 pixels. So that's a big,
0: yeah. And Google, their page rank tool, um, our page speed insight tool—it's um, changed, so it no longer will give you the score on raw speed. So that's why you're Correct. talking about using yep. a service like that. I imagine is they—they um, they used to tell you, um, they still will tell you how friendly your speed, your page is, um, but the page speed insight tool will not give you the same score metric. Um, uh, well. We'll put, like we said, the link to Pingdom down in there as well as another one that's escaping me right now. But I know the um, the folks at okay. Luna really yeah, like a it a different tool good as well. Good idea. This, uh, this last one um, I love because I just get really frustrated. Again, this is one of the main reasons we started the podcast is when you see a headline and everyone in your company or your management freaks out about something that shouldn't be freaked out about. Uh, today I went to lunch um, with someone in the mortgage business, and I could tell by the look in his eyes that he was even surprised at at this headline. And because he would rely on this greatly, but the headline says wrong again. New home sales actually rose in January, and this is from RealEstateConsulting.com, the website for John Burns Real Estate Consulting. And I love it because what they outline is, you know, there was a headline that came out that said, Man. well, new home sales were down in January. <laughs> and what they what they highlight is that, well, at the bottom, there is a plus or minus margin of error of 19 percent on their big. numbers, which is insane. saying one fifth of our numbers could be totally off, you know, essentially, um, and will still be covered in the fine print. So plus or minus nineteen, but you know you hear that story if you're in the mortgage business and you're like, oh shoot, well maybe that's why my business was down in January. I'm not saying that's what the guy went to lunch with was thinking, but if he was giving himself some some solace by saying, well, new home sales were down, my my business in new home sales mortgages was also down. Therefore, it must just be the market. N- not the case, is what this article says. Uh, their oh, an internal survey of 300 plus home builders indicates that January new home sales jumped 20% month over month nice. and 14% year over year. So I just, guys, you got to go beyond the headlines here and really understand how those metrics are coming up. And I'm going to loop in something else that I still believe is happening. But if you're part of the um, Selling New Homes Online uh, Facebook group that Lasso started a couple years ago, um, Will Duderstadt posted the article from Redfin on there that uh, roughly 33% of people are, are buying or are putting offers in on homes that they have never seen. I know that that happens, but I also know that if I asked um, the last 10 people that I know who have purchased a home, how many of you put in an offer sight no, unseen, it wouldn't be three out of 10. Now... So, yeah, I live in Columbus, Ohio. I don't live in California or Austin or Seattle. Some of these really hot markets around the country where maybe that data and, – and there was some of that. But at the end of the day, you look at that story and you say, it absolutely happens. I know people do that. But I'm also just ca- always uh, cautiously skeptical about what headlines are doing and, and why they're doing it. I mean it's a great mm-hmm. PR move for Redfin. They got a ton of, of exposure for that. I also just uh, think it's kind of interesting that on Redfin's site there is a button right next to say, "Hey, you could save four thousand dollars by working with us if you put in," and then it says, "Make an <laughs> offer." I saw that. So, hey, are they they surveyed four thousand people? A thousand of them came from Redfin's website. If they said, "Hey, did you ever click on this button right here?" It's and, um, maybe they had the like metrics a, I don't know.
1: I'm just saying, it's like an until you show me everything. It's Just not as obvious in that sense. Yes. Just really, really
0: well done. That's my point. Yeah. And so I still think Mm -hmm. Will did a great job of putting that out there because the bigger issue is not that 33% of the people are making offers sight unseen. It's that it happens at all because it does. And yet builders think it doesn't happen at all. Just like the myth of someone buying Mm -hmm. on their first visit. That happens a lot. I'm not going to ever tell you that it's going to happen 50% of the time. Even if I look at a piece of data somewhere that says somewhere it did, you know, because anyway, um, I just think you you got to always be be a little bit skeptical. But know that at the end of the day, people are making offers without seeing homes and also know that this it spring is. is rocking. It's exciting. Um, I've, of the builders we talked to just this past week, at least four of them said this was The best January, February combo or the best February that the company has ever had, even back in 2006, 2007, you know, 90 sales in a month for a single uh, market builder. Uh, Just crazy. Another builder who uh, is going to sell or or sold 50, I think, 52 homes January and February, sold 75 all last year. It's crazy. Um, So it is it is rocking out there. Don't do anything stupid. Um, Mm -hmm. Make sure you stay disciplined. Uh, and and do what makes sense, and then take this opportunity to, to look ahead. And what can you start working on now that'll be make make the summer months and the fall months better for you? Should there be a pullback? For sure. All right, um, yeah. time for a break. I think, uh, Andrew,
1: what are we going to talk this about? This is a really good title, and headline. It'd be make a great article you have a this is a clickbait headline yeah. clickbait so you have a broken community now what so we'll get into what you should do with that broken community and uh, yeah give you full details on how to diagnose that thing
0: Here we go. 360 topic discussion this week is you have a broken community. Now what? Uh, and the idea here is we all have them, or I, I had them when I was in your shoes. There's that one community. Sometimes it, sometimes it's a submarket of your MSA that's just not performing like the others. How do you de- diagnose um, potentially what's going on, and then how do you react? We're going to talk mostly about the diagnosis part, but the react obviously it mixes in. So uh, the first thing that you're going to do is we're only going to look at the data that we can find from the online um, customer journey. Why is that, Andrew? Why do we focus on the online side?
1: Well, we know it's accurate. So that is super important. (laughs) That's, That's very important. But then we could also compare that broken community against communities that are working. I think that's yep. the biggest relative those numbers that are relative to each other and they're accurate amongst themselves. So that's, that's why. Yep.
0: That, that accuracy can't be uh, understated or overstated. Sorry. It can't be overstated because we, we know that salespeople, even the great ones are going to just naturally not realize they they don't even always realize they're doing it, but they will underreport report uh, traffic and engagements and what's happening in the front lines. And so, if your Google Analytics is completely messed up and your site doesn't load uh, within you know a couple seconds on the phone, you could still have issues with here, but at least it's going to be uh, overall more trustworthy, a more accurate yep. uh, set of data than if we're looking at at metrics from from offline um, stuff. So we're gonna we're gonna in our in your minds come along with us on this journey. Uh, imagine you're looking at your Google Analytics account, or go ahead and open it now. Uh, on the left hand side. You're going to yeah look at the <laughs> channel setup and all that conversion data in there. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, on the left-hand side, you're going to click on um, behavior, and then you're mm-hmm. going to click on all content. And you're going to want to make sure you're looking at at least the last 30 days, sometimes 60 days or a quarter. Um, but you're going to want to look at at least a 30-day period of time to get enough data in here to really make this um make sense to you and and be accurate. So let's just imagine we're looking at a 60-day set of data. And um, we we are going to look in underneath that all content. We're going to go to the magical search box and we're going to type in Happy Acres. Um, And so we're going to now in Google Analytics be looking at a page that's just going to show the amount of of online traffic, uh, unique visitors and sessions that Happy Acres is getting on the website. And um, because this is not a visual medium, we'll try to make this easy on you and only use really round, perfect numbers. So let's pretend, Andrew, that, that this neighborhood, Happy Acres, has not sold a home in the last uh, two months.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so before we have the data now in front of us on the traffic, Uh, what I, the only other piece that I need to do to set the table is just quickly run through, um, Mike Lyon's last pro builder article, professional builder magazine article, where he talks about the overall base metrics that we look at. So real quick, grab your pen and and pencil or, um, uh, count on your fingers. If you're driving, um, on one hand, so you can keep at least one hand on the wheel. hundred percent of buyers are influenced by the internet. Uh, meaning they will go online at some time, but of the people who go on your website, 1% to 3% of them at minimum, uh, 1% should be reaching out for more information once they get on a page. Of that 1% uh, minimum conversion, uh, 30% of those people at a minimum who reach out, so we'll just say 10, so three of those 10 people who reached out should become an appointment. And then... Twenty percent at a minimum of those appointments should result in a sale. So, this you know of those three, we might have zero sales, or we might have one. Um, for an overall uh, contribution amount of this online process of at least thirty percent. So, just some base base numbers there for you um, as we as we start looking through this. So, if we look in at Happy Acres for the last sixty days, and we see that they have had um, fifty people visit. Uh, that that community page. And again, we're Ooh. using small, simple okay. numbers here so we can keep it in our brain uh, as we're talking through this. But if you saw 50 traffic units, uh, unique users to that, to that um, community over the last 60 days, what kind of things are going through your mind? What are you thinking about?
1: Well, if we take those numbers you just said, one to 3%, you might have, so 50 people, 1% of 50 is half a person. So you might have no leads or you might have one lead every <laughs> 60 days or you might have half a half a, uh-huh. half a person lead. So that's not good. Um, so you, you probably, you need more traffic. Like there's no other way looking at it. That's, that's really depressing. That's sad. Uh, yep. You need more eyes looking at that, that page.
0: Yep. So we know that there's people. not enough people there at the overall benchmark. Now, again, in an ideal world, you wouldn't be using just the percentages from Mike's Professional Builder Magazine article. You'd be looking at your overall company average for all of last year or all of last quarter. Yep. So like you were talking about earlier, Andrew, instead of just saying, well, is it, are we getting 1% conversion? Yes or no? Are, are we getting more than or less than the average for my company? How's this, how's this one community doing?
1: Exactly. So if that community um, is at half a percent conversion rate, but if your average, average. is two and a half percent, then that even, that I think gives even more context. Like, Hey, we do need more traffic because we have 50, but there's a conversion issue here. Like there's, there's something wrong with that page. Is the traffic going to that page? Where is it coming from? Is the pricing crazy? It opens up a whole different set of issues that could be affecting it versus just, we don't have enough people looking at it.
0: Yep. So before we skip to that conversion part, um, what's another piece of data that you would want to look at there in analytics of the 50, of the 50 traffic units that you had, what, how else would you want to slice that up?
1: Uh, where's where are they coming from? So the source, so you have 50 people. Mm-hmm. Is it organic? Is it Facebook? Is it Google paid search AdWords? Uh, it's a syndication. So really, but really the those top three, I want to focus on organic Is, it, is Facebook. It, wait, wait, Andrew, what about Twitter? Uh, is it Twitter? Oh, Twitter. What about uh, Twitter, right? Twitter or Vero? (laughs) Vero? Vero? What's the Vero, the new social network. Yeah, they could be coming
0: from anywhere. That's not LinkedIn. No. Yes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, where is it coming from? I think that's, uh, it's just one reason that could be really important to know is because sometimes this happens where we talk to a marketer and they're like, oh yeah, we haven't been promoting that community like ever. (laughs) That will do it. So whatever it's getting, it's getting it from, you know, email marketing or organic or um, some other place, but we have not been paying to promote it at all. And so yeah, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, maybe that's why there's no one looking at it because we're not we're not focused on it.
1: That that will do it.
0: Okay, so the first check there is just to say at the very beginning, like you just did, if you had 50, that means you might have one lead, you might have none. So we know that even in a perfect world, we don't have enough traffic. But like you said, if um, we're converting that half of what our overall average is, that means then we have to get twice as much traffic to get the number of, of leads that we need. And yep. you may or may not be able to afford to do that, especially if you have more than one broken neighborhood. You may not have enough budget to go around. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about, you know, why that conversion rate might be half of what it is for other communities, what are some, what are some possibilities there?
1: So starting from where the traffic comes from, say the two we can control the most you have google adwords and then facebook ads you could check those to see like okay is there an obvious issue that's making the performance on those be lower um say on on adwords maybe your other ads have pricing so the people that do click those ads that go to the other communities they already know the price point but maybe the ad for this community doesn't have the price point so they're clicking the ad because the location matched up with what they're searching for They get to the page and like, oh, I was looking for homes from the 400s. This is homes from the 600s. It's out of budget. So then they bounce back. So that could be affecting the conversion rate for Facebook. Maybe the targeting is too broad. Like you had a um, 20-mile radius around the community, which is pretty far depending on where you live. But maybe it needs to be six miles because you're in a denser area and people just don't move that far from where they're looking or where they're looking for. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would, or if, check it, the if it's in
0: Pittsburgh, people just don't drive across rivers or bridges in Pittsburgh. That's, That's right. Uh, I've heard what that. I learned from, from a living lot of there people for seven years.
1: Interesting. They just don't. Yeah. Well, like where you live, people don't want to cross That's that true. bridge. It takes forever to get you on the other side. Of the, yeah. Yeah. At half an hour of the right. day. guaranteed. That's it. Yep. Yep. So, so all these, all the same. The stuff other
0: right? that what what I want to hit on or just reemphasize that you said is super important, guys. If your website is 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 primarily pushing inventory homes. Homes that are already on construction or are complete. If they see those first on your webpage before your floor plans, and I'm not saying that's right or wrong. What I am saying though is, if your inventory homes have fifty to hundred thousand dollars in options in them, and you are running ads that said we start from the three hundreds, and all of your inventory is from four hundred to five hundred. That can be a huge reason why conversions will drop off because they may never even get to the point where they see, oh, they do actually, they just, they they do it. I could actually buy a home in here from the 300s if I wanted to build it from scratch. But uh, again, just don't overestimate what the consumer's ability to pick up on what your website's trying to tell them. If they scroll down and they see only four homes listed and they're all 400 plus and your ad said 300 plus, they're like, I'm out of here. I can't afford this. So, we just see that a ton where people are are overspecing their inventory relating to their starting price and not really yep. paying attention to to the ads that are getting that traffic there. Yeah, being, that's that's being super related.
1: common. I I've come to learn overspecing inventory <laughs> is a common thing. Yep. Which yep. I mean, uh, you can't blame them. It makes sense like, hey, let's sell it for more. Why not? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, that's another episode of, is of another how much uh, you should load your inventory up with options or not. That's uh, the other P in marketing uh, we'll get to at I some like point. That. That but like OK, fun. let's continue on with Happy Acres and the diagnosis here. So we know there's not enough traffic. Um, let's say that there are uh, there are though two. Well, let's just say let's say there are four leads. So the traffic number is low, but in this case, it's converting um, um, relatively well. So we have well, why not say five? We'll say five leads. So there's five, five leads in the system. Uh, and only, let's just say none of those went to an appointment. So we got five leads, no appointments. No appointments. So that ratio is, okay. I can do that math,
1: zero. Zero. Zero
0: percent conversion <laughs> ratio on lead That's to appointment. Easy. What What kind of things co- come in your mind about what could be causing that to happen?
1: Ooh, Well, I would first want to have a conversation with the OSC. At least, or at least, look at their notes. Hopefully, there's really good notes, and that would ideally. I am
0: am clapping for you, Andrew, because (laughs) everyone skips that one.
1: Oh man! Well, they have the they have the truth on what happened. Hopefully, Um, Mm -hmm. so that's which most. I think most OSCs are really good about this, or at least they should be, um, because they live and breathe in their in their CRM.
0: (laughs) Because most OSCs are OCD. That's right. And so
1: they they keep track of this stuff. That's right. They like it because that that affects their performance. They know they'll have that conversation with someone. Hey, there's five leads. What happened to them? So, yeah, hopefully they have the answers like, oh, all these people were XYZ. Price, 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 price. Or maybe they're like, oh, they didn't know it was this type of product. They didn't know they were townhomes, which would be crazy because hopefully there's really good Mm -hmm. pictures of townhomes instead of single-family homes. So that that's ideally that I'm I'm hoping on that one. I'm hoping am hoping they have to no, the for that, me. No, that that
0: that happens all the time. In fact, um, where this happens a lot is the entry level price point. So your lowest priced community is going to get usually a higher amount of traffic because more people mm-hmm. think that's you know that's something that they could afford. It is more affordable to more people, and so the more people look at it, but um, they oftentimes don't like the product that's associated with that entry-level price point as much. It's true. And so the website may pique their interest. They will convert. And then when they have that conversation or the back and forth over email and they realize, oh, okay, so I can just get this one house that has, you know, one bedroom for that price. Yep. That's what, that's what you get. Okay. Thanks, but no thanks. You know, I'm going to keep looking. Um, That's very common. Uh, reason. Another reason are things that have nothing to do with pricing or product. Um, yep. It could be a misconception about where the school district lines are. That may not be clear yep. on the page.
1: That, that is common. Um, but it's, it's some
0: form of confusion or um, information that your website is probably, and you may have done this intentionally, but it's not letting the customer know that something in that conversation is coming up and the OSC is
1: the place to go to figure that out. That's right. That's right.
0: Okay. So in this, uh, that scenario I just gave you, obviously we have no leads, so we have no sales. Um, so we don't even have those appointments to, but let's say that we had um, five appointments and, and no sales. So
1: Ooh, that's now what
0: kind of things? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, again, I hope there's mm-hmm. notes. I, I Hopefully there there's notes again, but if they got past, if they made an appointment, which means they should be somewhat aware of the pricing, not the exact price, right? That's for a later conversation Um, where they should know where the home is and where the, and the price point and some general idea about it more so than like, Hey, it has three bedrooms, but they should be like, okay, it's, this is the type of kitchen we could have. This is, I've looked at the pictures they've spent. I'm, I'm sure everyone who's made an appointment has spent more time back on the website I would think 10, 15 minutes, like looking at pictures, like they probably invested that time on the website, looking at, at images as far as what is possible for them to move to. So if there has been no sale, this is a challenging question. Um, geez, this one, this one's tough. This is a tough well, year. I, I have, think the, the cool thing about this is as you go down on this one.
0: Yeah. Well, we may not be able to control it at all from the marketing angle. So That's, maybe that is a little bit of a trick question for you. Um, but nonetheless, like I like to say, you know, it's not your problem, but it is your fault as the marketer. You know, you might have had 20 appointments and no sales. Guess what? Everyone's still going to ask for more appointments. More appointments. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and enough until you get a sale. And if that conversion rate's zero, you know, it just doesn't work. What's what's really good, though, about what you said is you want to look at notes. You're, you're, you're saying I want to look at at specific data as much as possible. Yep. And the good news is, as we go down this process, you're only going to have a handful of appointments, even for a really popular neighborhood. You might have 25 names uh, in the CRM to go look at and, and understand their story and what happened with them. But you can absolutely do that in an hour or so. Oh, yeah. Run through most. 25 names and, and have a good sense of what's happening. Of course, you want to talk to the sales rep and say, hey, what are you, what are you seeing here as well? But if the the main thing is we we may not be able to solve it, but we have to identify the issue and pass that issue along to management in sales, so that they can work with that frontline team. You know, hey, do we need to get the shore team out here and do some training? Do we need to? Um, what is it that we need to do? Do do we have a, a model home that um, smells like death and no one wants to stay there very
1: long? You, that's right. You have to keep the the is there a trap train track?
0: Yeah, the P trap that's that, that's that's not filled with water and makes the whole place smell bad. It could be that there's a train track outside and the OSC never talked about it. It's not mentioned on your website, but the train runs by every time someone walks in the model. You know, who knows what that is? But we have to identify it so we can live in reality because what we have to make sure of is that each one of these different levels is at least functioning well enough. Maybe not on high octane, you know, all cylinders, but it's working well enough that we can spend a realistic amount of money. Because again, if all these numbers are small and the ratios all don't work, we could spend $50,000 on one neighborhood in a month and get no sales still. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so it's just saying, hey, what, what? and this goes back to knowing your overall cost per sale average as a company. Say, okay, I don't like this as a marketer, but if I had to spend double that for this neighborhood to get some momentum, should I do that? Uh, Or can, can I do that? And, and going yeah. through this exercise will help you identify that. And then, of course, uh, to wrap up, we do want to look at, you know, a sideways glance at all the offline data of walking traffic appointments, which, again, most home builders are not tracking appointments. If that's the only soapbox I could have for the next month, it is that as a sales company or as a home building company, if you don't track the appointments that your sales reps have, To me, that is infinitely more important than walk-in traffic count. And yet a lot, I would say almost half of home builders do not track Mm -hmm. appointments. And again, appointment to me is a meaningful conversation about pricing that occurs in the model. Um, So it could be their first visit and that first visit could turn into an appointment. They could be coming back for an appointment to finalize pricing. But a meaningful conversation around price, option pricing, uh, option selections, those kind of things. You have to know those numbers because at the end of the day, this online funnel that we spend all this time looking at, uh, according to Mike's article, and I agree with him, you know, a 30% contribution rate, which means that you may only need to get one sale from the online. The other, the other two for that month should be coming from walk-in traffic or from other sources that it's not online, if that's what your company's ratio is. Mm-hmm. If your online sales contribution is 50%, then they should be, you know, if, if you're trying to get four sales a month, they're responsible for bringing in two, but the other two are still coming from this other, other source. So you still want to look at that as well. Because sometimes we find, Andrew, that the contribution rate on a particular neighborhood historically might be 70%, even though as a company your contribution rate is 30.
1: That's right. And yeah, that, that will, that's that will a whole nother for sure. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this is a bonus question. Have you seen the online sales <laughs> contribution rate? Change say the past three years, um, increase or yes. de- decrease.
0: Yeah, our our base metric of do you convert used to be twenty percent of all sales, twenty to twenty five. Now that has increased up to thirty to thirty five. But again, that's just the entry level point. That's where you really should be after a full year, year and a half of doing things the right way and 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 really working at it. But there are absolutely companies out there that that we work with and some that we don't that are consistently above 50% contribution. And again, for those of you who may have never heard our voices before, when we say contribution from online sales, what we're talking about is a scheduled appointment where the person shows up at a set day and time based upon the online salesperson nurturing that relationship and scheduling that appointment. So it's not just people who have ever talked to an online person and then show up sometime later, it is actually being the procuring cause for them walking into the model on that day and time.
1: Gotcha. Very cool. And I'd expect that number to increase like, and keep going and going.
0: It it can't not. And that's part of my frustration. Candidly is like, gosh, why are we still at 30, 35 as an industry? Um, You know, essentially think about it this way. (laughs) If we go all the way back to the news and we say Redfin says one third of all people are are buying how are putting offers on homes without ever seeing them, but as home builder home builders we're saying only one third of our sales are coming from that online interaction. Something's off here. We're not, you know, OSCs aren't trying to get offers written to turn over to salespeople. They're trying to get them just to come out and and um, mm-hmm. or or transfer that relationship. So it absolutely should be going higher than it is. And maybe we can pontificate about that when we have Mike Lyon on as our special guest Ooh, um, on that'd an upcoming be episode. Nice. We are going to start rotating in uh, other guests on the 360 topic. If you'd like to be um, one of those guests, feel free to email us at show at do S H O W at do you com. And that takes us to the question of the week from uh, Lauren in Edmonton. Um, Cold. Hey, sorry about that women's hockey team thing, Lauren. Uh, but USA, <laughs> USA. Congrats. She says, Congrats on the podcast. I've loved the first three EPS, short for episodes. Already can't wait for the summit in September. Well, we can't wait to see you either, Lauren. But that's not a question. Let's get to your question. She says, I'm wondering if there are additional online marketing slash social media conferences that you would recommend or that you yourself would go to. Um, good question, Lauren. Uh, first off, the shirts are uh, the shirts have been ordered, um, so we have this. But in the meantime, I'm going to send you an unautographed copy of Gary Vaynerchuk's Crushing It. Um, I'll drop that in the mail to you, Lauren. So congratulations, and we'll get you a shirt nice. once they come in as well. Um, but what would be your answer for her, Andrew? You've been to a couple non-industry um, conferences. That's
1: right. I'll talk about the one that I went to because that one i'm familiar with so unbounce out of vancouver canada which is the landing page tool that we like they they put on a really good conference i enjoyed it it of course is not industry specific but they have a lot of different types of people there um like big topic discussions as well as really granular tactical discussions as well it's two days it's right there downtown vancouver so it's It was a lot of fun. Cool city. Really nice. The event was good. But again, the hard part is always applying that to our industry because we are so different. We're dealing with different dollar amounts than 99% of the people that you'll meet at any conference where they're selling, you know, say e-commerce, you know, totally different game. Um, but it was Mm -hmm. still really good. And there's a lot of takeaways from it, from it as well. And you're, you're already in Canada. So it's Maybe it's really cheap to, yeah. to go over just to no be a paper. passport required for you. That's right. Uh,
0: That's right. I also like uh, Moz, M-O-Z dot com. They right. have they put on every year called the MozCon kind of same idea. But Moz is a uh, organic search company. Um, the Digital Summit uh, there. Those are done all over the country. Um, generally, I've heard good feedback and I'm able to watch some of those uh, streamed uh, over the Internet. Um, but what Andrew says is absolutely true. You know, I just, I saw another article, um, that millennials are taking the shortest amount of time yet to look for a home. Hmm. And you know how long millennials are taking Andrew? You're a millennial. I am a millennial. How long, how long
1: do you think? Ooh, um, did they do it in minutes or times or is it like, oh, this is, this is in months still. Oh, that's that's okay. part of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> in months and months. Well, I've been, yeah, uh, three months. Yeah, 2.9. Once they decide to move. The
0: headline is millennials are buying homes faster than ever before. The punchline is it's still 2.9 months. So when you go to events like this, I mean, you're talking about, I was listening to another podcast and the lady was talking, she did um, organic SEO and PPC work for really local companies like locksmiths. And she's like,
1: that's minutes, you
0: know, know. the turnaround time on that is (laughs) minutes. You know, I am locked out of my house or my car. I'm Googling get a locksmith and I'm making an instantaneous decision to to move along. And so you go to one of these um, conferences and you really have to always be filtering things through what you know about your target audience, how they think and how they're shopping for a home. Going back to the, my recommendation, to understand the psychology aspect uh, last week. And the other thing that, you know, it just happens is that most of the people who are speaking are also selling something. And yep. so they tend to over-prioritize, not even intentionally, just over-prioritize what the importance of it is that they themselves do for a living. That's right. Um, but we definitely recommend you go to these kind of events, even Inman Connect, which again, is it's kind of like the um, International Builders Show. There's one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, but it's it's for general real estate, but really, really helpful place to be. They're great, two great conferences, um, and it's always good to hear things from outside because uh, you know you pick up those one or two pieces. Andrew, when you came back from uh, the Unbounce event, you were like, "Hey, here's two or three things that that we absolutely could could tweak or adjust in yep. how we approach the business that will be
1: better." Yeah, and and they, yeah, they had some really cool things that they showed off that will be coming this year, which is another reason I'm a fan of Unbounce AI machine learning with landing pages, and they showcased it there, and mm-hmm. ooh, it was exciting. That
0: is exciting. (laughs) All right. So remember, if you want a uh, T-shirt, just send us your question of the week. uh, Show, S-H-O-W at youconvert.com. Sweet. All right, Andrew, let's wrap it up. Uh, Where can people find you on the
1: interwebs? That's right. I I need your help in helping my Google rank increase. I'm stealing Kevin's spotlight here. So search my name, Andrew Peek. I'm on the second page. There's some other guy that's competing against me. Again, he's still there. I need to beat him. So by you clicking on me on the second page, that will help me rank higher. <laughs> but in case that doesn't work, um, Andrew Peek, DYC on Instagram and also on Facebook and then the website for all the recent blog posts. And where, you where you are you found you
0: Google search for me? That's right. Uh, Google Kevin Oakley or visit dot At dot uh This is the closest thing you'll ever hear to a plug. There are blog articles. There are links. There are resources that we just don't have time to talk about here. So Besides just finding out how to connect with Andrew and I, definitely check it out. Uh, The goal there is just give you as much information as possible. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.